0: Thanks for listening, and I hope you will be inspired. This is Inspiring Women, and I am Lori McGraw. Today, I'm speaking with Kathy Ford. Kathy is the Chief Product and Strategy Officer for a company named Ronin, which was founded in 2018, and is focused on cancer care. Now, Kathy is a veteran in healthcare. She's worked at companies like McKesson and Siemens and Nant Health and others, um, but she's very focused in the area of AI and cancer care. We're going to get an opportunity here at State of Play. There's been so much investment and activity There, but should we be optimistic? And Kathy, thank you for being on Inspiring Women.
1: Thank you, Lori. I'm delighted to be here.
0: All right. Well, let's dive in. And so I always start Inspiring Women, Kathy, by talking about what are you doing right now? What's your day to day look like as the Chief Product and Strategy Officer of Ronan?
1: I'm so privileged to tell you how exciting my day to day is at the moment working at Project Ronan. So
0: is that true is that true kathy it's
1: exciting (laughs) honestly it really is it's i would say this company is quite the unicorn in many ways Uh, but first and foremost knowing the urgency of what we're building and the needs uh, that we're addressing for both clinicians and then ultimately for patients is a significant driver on a day-to-day basis that there is no time to wait to put better tools in the hands of clinicians making critical treatment decisions at the point of care. And so my day-to-day is working with my 100 or so brilliant colleagues at at Ronin and making sure that we are uh, delivering our solution, uh, adding feature functionality that continues to support our mission uh, and uh, that we're also continuing to listen to our our customers and to the market and make sure that we're addressing the most critical needs um, while inspiring and growing and um, attracting the, the the most talented individuals to be a part of this mission here at Ronan is largely how I spend my day to day.
0: Well, Kathy, I know that you are incredibly passionate about what you do, and you've been in the healthcare tech space for quite some time. So I want to talk about you know, where we are, state of play of AI today. There's a lot of discussion. I don't know how much of it is hype and how much of it is promising. I'm sure you can educate us on that. Um, but before we dive into Ronan and, and uh, AI, I want to get a little bit more about you. You've done medical device. You've done specialty care products, um, digital health, patient engagement, and now you're very very deep into AI and cancer care. So just give us a little sense of your bio sketch and, and how did you get here to this position today?
1: Uh, it's been a short 30 years. So uh, <laughs> my, how time flies really, I fell into healthcare or it found me rather. I did not find it, but however, through this journey and really early on, I, I, came to realize that i was in an industry that i developed a real personal passion around so it was not just a job once i could know enough about healthcare healthcare is incredibly complex you know you're sort of a student of life in healthcare you never know everything but once you spend enough time you you really do see all of the problems and the significant ones and so for me, I've been really fortunate that I've had amazing opportunities along the way to uh, get to find what my passion is, which is innovating. Uh, I'm sort of that never satisfied kind of person, and so when I see things, you know, could be done better, you know, are not addressing real needs, uh, it sort of lights a, a fire in me that I can't even turn off, and so. Uh, along the way, you know, I always tell people I was raised by big companies, uh, so I'm always very grateful for my time at GE Medical, which really changed the trajectory of my career, in getting to be a part of acquisitions and due diligence, and really understanding more of you know business and technology and and how to how to make you know big strides in in innovation and sort of all the all the the baselining tools and and things you need to know in order to do that. So that's really how I got started. I sort of fell into it and then fell in love with it. And now I'm driven completely by passion and mission. Kathy, when you,
0: you know, in these companies, I find in the big global companies, they're they're so large. And it's hard to see sometimes, um, you know, sort of the impact, the evolution of whether it's care delivery or big strides in in changing medicine. And you've always been on the ideation size side of things. So, you know, in terms of driving new products, new opportunities, new ways of delivering um care. What and so, but now in your focus. On AI and cancer care, let's, let's just go there. Like, where is the opportunity? And maybe just start with what's the state of play right now with cancer care? Are we, are we making progress? Certainly, the this administration is focused and doubling down on the cancer moonshot. Um, wh- what are you seeing?
1: Uh, I love that. And that really is has been my path is to get more into the center and to greater impact, which is smaller, more nimble, faster delivery and on more bleeding edge from a technology perspective. So in cancer, so AI, of course, has been around and been evolving for you know a decade or more. And and honestly, it has been it started in in way less complex areas like sepsis. Um, and there, are, there's only really a small group of companies right now that are in the AI space for cancer. Why? Because cancer is likely the most complex disease out there or in the top two. And so it's really hard to answer meaningful questions in, in AI unless you have uh, a lot of time, really smart people, and honestly, a lot of money. The problem with healthcare or the reality of healthcare is that innovation happens over long cycles, like seven to ten years, mm-hmm. unlike any other industry. It's incredibly evidence-based, risk adverse. And that is expensive to, especially with something so bleeding-edge like AI. Um, and understandably, clinicians need evidence. And so, and that takes, you know, a whole lot of data a whole lot of use cases and then again a whole lot of opportunity to to publish the results and for the community to to believe and adopt
0: well, I think it's interesting that you point out that you know even the simple areas like sepsis, um, you know, are using AI, and we all saw the recent study in Nature um, about the AI progress in sepsis that um, the founder of Bayesian Health um, put out there. So, in terms of it, the opportunity for AI with cancer care. So what where are you focusing? Because it is a far more complex um, area. We all know about the big investments of IBM Watson um, in that area that, you know, certainly that was a huge amount of investment, but I'm not sure we had a huge amount of progress. So, you know, where are you starting? And maybe you could tell us a little bit about Ronin and what you're doing there.
1: Yeah. So, At Ronan, we really believe that every clinical decision should be rooted in data and as personalized for each patient as possible, and then delivered as efficiently with the highest level of confidence. And so what we built is what we call an intelligent platform that helps clinicians make better informed decisions about treatment so that they can make a decision that's way more personalized for that particular patient versus making a treatment decision or taking a treatment approach that's based on what 5 million patients may have seen from an outcome perspective. And we not only deliver that from a tooling perspective, but we also incorporate prediction capabilities so that these clinicians can then preempt uh, adverse events for their patients and keep their patients engaged. So a big part of cancer care and success in cancer is having that high level of patient engagement. Cancer is a team sport, as many people have said, and we know, and it's teaming on both sides, both, both on the patient care team side, but also on the clinical care team side. And so our solution really supports that entire patient journey. So keeping that patient connected to what's happening during treatment and and most importantly giving tools to clinicians to make the best treatment decisions at the point of care as quickly as possible. So Kathy, you've
0: built big platforms before, and you've um, brought those, uh, those solutions out globally in your, your short 30 years of healthcare experience. So what you're building now, what's different? Is it is the technology more advanced? Are the systems supporting the patient more inva- advanced? Are the patients more tech savvy? What's different, uh, giving you the opportunity to drive these solutions forward today versus what you did in some of your previous global company experience? Mm
1: -hmm. Really, the major difference is the amount of data science tooling that Mm -hmm. is, is utilized in this platform and this approach to drive clinical decision support at the point of care is completely disruptive to anything, even at scale over time and technology evolution, Uh, to anything uh, that I've been a part of in the past. And, you know, we, hopefully uh, everybody knows that 50% of all cancers are preventable. And so- I
0: I actually didn't know that. I did not know that at all.
1: Yes, 50%. Also, (laughs) there were 1.7 plus million new cancer cases in 2019 and the US leads the world in- percentage of population with cancer. We're the most advanced nation in the world, arguably, I believe. And so how is it that we are, that we have the highest number of cancer cases? These two things completely don't make sense. And so it really is having enough data and gaining enough insights in order to truly change this trajectory. Cancer cases are going up right now. So obviously we're going the wrong direction. And the only way that this is really going to be affected, and this is, of course, Larry Ellison and Dr. David Agus's vision and intention of co founding Project Ronin, is to apply the most advanced data science tooling in order to answer the hardest questions in care. And to say, you know, you, Kathy Ford, patient, patients like you have responded best with this treatment plan or this, this treatment course and let's monitor you in real time rather than waiting for the end of the treatment to say whether it worked or not okay then let's try something else that's not only uh, high risk as far as you know total outcome and and moving through your disease uh, with positive results but it's also expensive and cancer is and drugs make up 65% of the cost of care for cancer so for trying drug after drug after drug, because we don't really know what is the best way to treat you as an individual. This is just contributing to sort of our macro problem in, in healthcare costs and, and expense. Well, there's, there's of course that
0: side, but I think that, you know, every person has a cancer story, whether it's a personal one or one in our families and uh, just the word itself has, you know, brings with it such a degree of fear. And certainly over the course of the pandemic, I I did not know that 50% of cancers were preventable, but I certainly know um, that cancer detection at this point is only going the wrong way because we've spent the past two years not. Not seeing our physicians as we might normally um, go and, and seeking care uh, when we would just because of the disruption to healthcare delivery and um, patients seeking um, help. So in terms of that detection, i Kathy, um, if you just you know look ahead in such a complex area, what are you optimistic about with Project Ronin? What what are the opportunities? Do you think that could actually? I mean, you know, Larry Ellison, the big name, big visions. You know, what are the types of big visions that you're thinking about?
1: We absolutely. Well, the fact that we're already able to predict. For example, patients who are at high risk to go to the emergency department. That alone is already really important from a patient uh, patient care perspective, cost perspective, all sorts of areas it affects. Uh, so, predicting adverse events and preempting them is really important in today and tomorrow. But preventing And wellness is where absolutely Ronan will be positioned uh, to lead the way in in innovation in healthcare. And it's because of what we've built from a a infrastructure and our data model approach in AI in order to consume, so ingest uh, hundreds and thousands of unique and discrete data elements, you know, ranging from all sorts of, you know, clinical specifics about a patient to social determinants to uh, uh financial data and, and then all sorts of other correlating uh, data points and you know running the math essentially if you will algorithms against all of that and and asking and answering key questions to get to prevention so if people don't know i mean you take diabetes for example this is a completely man-made disease that is 100% preventable and so prevention, I believe, and if you look at sort of consumerism and how COVID really sort of brought that in with a fury and probably the fastest innovation in healthcare thanks to COVID, uh, if we are able to provide more insight to patients and clinicians in advance to get to prevention, it, you know, knowledge is power, the old PSA you know, for my generation, this, this after- I, I'm right there with you, Kathy. I, I, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> this is absolutely the starting point. So if we can not only surface, here's, here's how you can prevent it. And then here's also what it would look like if you don't prevent it or let's answer some questions. Just going back to where Ronan's going in, in the near term from a treatment standpoint, what absolutely does not exist today and what we're building right now is the ability to to take in simulations, if you will. So right now, treatment decisions are based on best outcomes. So, and it's only what information clinicians have, and it's usually general reference data that comes from you know some uh, governance body in in cancer. And so, but what what none of these take into effect is what is the patient specific burden or patient interest in that care journey. So for example, you hear a lot from cancer patients, I just want to walk my daughter down the aisle. I just need to get to that point in my life. After that, it doesn't matter. This is the most important thing to me. How does a clinician create a treatment plan that, that achieves that patient goal?
0: Yeah, those are we all hear those stories, and and they're they're so deeply personal. And Kathy, just hearing you talk about um, the solutions and what you're trying to drive in terms of the opportunity to bring real um, health opportunity in really difficult times for cancer patients, I mean, it's wonderful because it's such a large and like you said, complex um, area. You know, just turning back to you a little bit in your just you know again, um, you know, long history of launching many successful solutions out there in healthcare. What what are you most proud of Um, in the history wheel of Kathy Ford uh, solution delivery? What what are you most proud of, of what you've done to date?
1: Oh, such a great question. It's sort of like choosing your favorite child (laughs) Uh, because I've been so fortunate to get to lead and be a part of, you know, amazing uh, innovations that uh, many of them are still out in the world and, and saving patients' lives and affecting patient care. I, it seems like a layup answer, but honestly, I will tell you what I'm doing at Ronin is the most exciting and the most impactful so far. And that's sort of my my measure scale, my barometer, is around impact to care. Uh, maybe what follows behind that is I uh, took the incredibly crazy risk of uh, co-founding a company called Jellyfish Health, and we started that company to uh, we, to go out and solve, you know, and address some big problems in healthcare. And back then, so this is 2013-14 timeframe you know, care is moving out of the hospitals, out of four walls and into the community more so, uh, which leaves way more sort of ambiguity and uh, and you're further away from the patient and they may or may not, you know, be wellness focused. So, and, you know, looking at what is preventing people from having regular care to seeing uh, their specialists and and sort of all those macro pieces. At Jellyfish, we created the first patient flow solution focused in pure outpatient uh, care space. So what that means is really driving total efficiency for that patient journey and everybody that's involved in that journey and knowing that the patient journey starts before they ever walk through the doors of that facility. It starts when they know they need to go see the doctor. And that is actually the entire flow and that's the entire journey. And so making sure that, you know, patients don't wait, pay, I'm that type of patient that if I sit in a waiting room for 30 minutes, I'm leaving at 30. Yeah, yeah.
0: there's just, it's just kind of incredible. After all these years, there really are so many opportunities for um, improvement. You're right. We are a very um, advanced nation and yet our, our healthcare delivery in many places is broken. We all unfortunately experience that at various Points in time. Just a couple other things, Kathy. I'm curious, you know, you have done different things over your career, and a lot of uh, listeners grapple with the question of sort of when is it the right time to make a switch from what they're doing? We're all hearing about the workforce disruption going on. And so, how have you made your choices about when it's time to pursue something next? It's really incredible to hear that what you're, you know, after all this experience, what you're doing right now is where you're feeling you're going to have the opportunity for the greatest impact that must feel very fulfilling. So, how have you made your choices along the way?
1: That's a great question. Uh, there are usually a couple consistent themes in, in the changes and, and moves that I've made, and honestly, the common thread there is around impact. When you, you sort of make the investment, commitment, you know, life dedication to the space of healthcare it is very complex and there's so much to know uh, and so much to invest in to, to get to that point that you really do wanna continue to drive and create impact. And so for me, uh, opportunities to to do so in more areas across the continuum have been you know, great motivators to uh, to move on to to different companies and different opportunities. So the continuum, specialty sort of deep dive is also very inspiring and interesting to me. Uh, and where I can also help drive and grow uh, companies in healthcare, we need more innovation, we need more disruption and it has to happen faster. And uh, I've done now a fair amount of that. And, and so where I meet it is, is what usually drives me to, uh, to move to a new opportunity.
0: I love the focus on impact. I mean, that's such a, I think that is, a. I re, I uh, resonate with that word as well in terms of where can you have um, impact. And um, it's great to hear, again, your just energy around this just important area of healthcare. Kathy, as we close out here on Inspiring Women, you know, we talk talked earlier before we got on the um, show here, and about just your many years of mentoring other women and really helping to promote and grow others' uh, careers. So as we close out, I would just love to hear if any sort of last advice you might have um, for listeners who are at the earlier stages of their career as they look to make their own impact on this world.
1: Such a fantastic question that I uh, I'm delighted to answer. So, I one of the, the few things I always love to share with other female, you know, looking to continue to advance in healthcare is be your best salesperson because nobody else will for you, and uh, we women tend to be uh, overly humble. Uh, and you know, we're, we're very, typically we're, we're just very execution focused, not that men are not, but women especially. And so I, one of the best things anybody, any woman can do for their career, whether you're in healthcare or not, but for sure in healthcare, uh, which is still very biased gender wise, uh, in with men is to become your best salesperson know what you would, what you're good at, be able to articulate that, that correlates to outcomes, uh, whether that's clinical business efficiencies, you know, whatever your area is, uh, and, 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 and feel, feel confident in doing so that not apologetic and, 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 uh, your know, humility is great, but when it comes to advancing and, uh, and striving and, and, uh, and goal achievement. Uh, You've, you really need to own it and, and be proud of it. If there's one other thing I can share, this is just purely because of passion, we're all in healthcare is know this, that your, your diagnosis actually comes from pathology. And years ago, when, one of the last things I did for Siemens, the med board asked me to, I seven months to learn everything I could about digital pathology to determine whether Siemens should start a new business unit in this space. So it was, what's happening? How long is that cycle? Do we have, you know, buy, borrow, whatever? And so I didn't know a thing about pathology, and now I know everything about it. And what I learned, which was like it's so disturbing, is that the most uh, accomplished pathologists across the world will tell you it is equally an art and a science, that there's so much data to understand that there is no standard. What one pathologist says is uh, stage two breast cancer. Another really well-renowned one will say it's negative one stage breast cancer. There is not enough knowledge. So this is where AI will definitely help. But I tell anybody that is facing a cancer diagnosis, go get a second opinion on your pathology read. Those are your, that's your DNA. You can go ask for your slides and you can send them somewhere else and go do it because it's also reimbursed. So, and it's like 250 bucks (laughs) to get a pathology slide read. Yeah. So always get a second opinion on that part of your diagnosis and patients don't know that. And they don't know that they can go to a hospital wherever they have their pathology read and ask for it. It's theirs. It's just like getting a copy of your imaging report. I
0: didn't know that. I, I didn't know that at all. And I've been around the healthcare block for uh, quite a long time.
1: Tell everybody you know, if you are diagnosed with cancer, and especially some of the hardest ones like, uh, like colon cancer, GI cancers, this is where false positive, false negatives happen almost the most. And so if you know anybody, just again, my PSAs, go get a second opinion on your pathology. Really important.
0: Yeah, that is, I think, just fantastic advice, Kathy. And I really appreciate you sharing that. This has been an excellent, inspiring women conversation. I've been speaking with Kathy Ford. And Kathy, thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Lori. It's been a pleasure.
0: This has been an episode of Inspiring Women with Lori McGraw. Please subscribe, rate, and review. We are produced by Kate Cruz at Executive Podcast Solutions. More episodes can be found on inspiringwomen.show. I am Lori McGraw, and thank you for listening.